Hello, lovers of all things dark and depraved. I'm Hannah. And I'm Carissa. We are Daywalkers. A corporate goth survival pod for the weirdos at work. Okay, um, I'd like to begin by acknowledging my birthplace custodians, the Wemba Wemba people of Swan Hill, and my bloodline mob Nunga of WA, and yeah, also acknowledge the land that I'm on, which is the Woiwurrung country of the Kulin Nation here in Melbourne. Great, and for all my fellow Hispanic goths in California, I would like to acknowledge that, of course, this used to be Mexico. Nice. <laughs> it's so weird, I had no idea about that. I mean, honestly, I got that information from the movie Zorro, and I had to Google to make sure it was true, but I believe it. All right, so, Hannah, what goth things happened to you this week? Uh, I had... I mean, this is just me thinking that it's something supernatural, but so it's my birthday this week. And so I had early birthday celebrations on the weekend with some girlfriends and one of them gave me a crystal as a present. And so I get back to my apartment and I'm going to put it on my bookshelf. It falls out of my hand and I hear it hit the carpet and I'm like, Ugh, I go to find it. I can't find it. And you know, when like, you're looking for something and like you can't find it but like if you look for like a solid minute you're gonna find it because like where else can it go yeah it's truly it's, pop up at some point. it's truly like gone somewhere I can't find it and I'm just gonna call it now I think that there's maybe a black hole in my apartment but like something supernatural has happened and I truly believe that <laughs> in my soul oh no and I feel like I want to check like there has to be some way to do some kind of like um like, you know when people have those, like, metal detectors? Um, like, there has to be a way to find, like, supernatural energy, like, in the apartment. I'm going to, like, wave something over that area, and I bet I'm going to find there's, like, a vortex or, like, the, a portal to another world because that's where the crystal's gone. It can only have gone there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get one of them. Oh, what do they call those those readers from Ghostbusters? Yes. <laughs> no, that, no, that's You're exactly get one of those. it. That's exactly yeah. what I need. What kind of crystal was it? Oh, it was really cool. It was like a small white crystal, but when you looked in it, there's a smaller crystal inside. So it had oh. like these two points. So I'm like, it's a it's a special crystal, and it's been called back to wherever it is. And I keep thinking I'm gonna I'm I bet I'm gonna find it in the most weird spot that it could not have reached because I'm like yeah. yeah. But I was looking up like googling and, and you know how this not like you remember like Yahoo Answers. I was, like, on a site like that and was, like, have you ever dropped something and you can't find it again? And someone answered saying that there's, like, you know, it's, like, there's, like, levels of, like, uh, reality and whenever you can't find something, it's, like, they've, they've all gone, all the stuff that you can't find has gone to the same place and it reappears again, like, when you're kind of, like, ready to find it kind of oh. thing. And I was like, oh, so like I was kind of maybe getting in too much of a, of a, like a Google <laughs> hole of reading hole. up on <laughs> Definitely a rabbit hole of like supernatural stuff like that. But I mean, for all I know, it, it just somehow it rolled onto my bed and I just need to <laughs> look onto it. I don't know. <laughs> that's very likely. <laughs> yeah, but a possible black hole in my apartment. So that that's my goth event of the week. That's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if anything overly goth happened to me this week. I like to sit, I have my favourite chair that's kind of ripped to pieces by my cats because they're shits. Um, but I love to sit 
on my chair and watch the rain outside. I feel like that's very goth. That's very goth. To just sit. Yeah, and listen to my music. I saw that um, oh, on Stranger Things, that song, Running Up That Hill, yeah. is trending at the moment. It's having so a real yeah, I've been listening to the placebo version of that nonstop, so I think that's pretty goth too. That's extremely that's goth. I haven't listened to that cover in ages. That's a really good cover. Well, Carissa, I feel like we should explain to our listeners why we started this podcast, which is that oh, yes. I reached out to you because I want to say you're my most goth friend. Like, if I think of goth people that I know, I feel like... It, you're the first name that comes up in fact what I always associate you with is Christina Ritchie because I know you're a big fan and it's gotten to the point that when I see Christina Ritchie post an Instagram story I think it's you posting the story and the amount of times that I've like you know when you just like reply to someone's Instagram yeah. story with just like a 100 or like a clap or like a <laughs> like a love heart eyes I've done that by accident so many times thinking that it's oh, you <laughs> and then I will that's amazing. and then I'll that's realize amazing. later and go back and un- unsend it and <laughs> I'm like oops <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's amazing I love that I love getting told because um yeah I think we used to look kind of similar but, no that, but that's exactly it that's exactly it that's why I think it's you all the time <laughs> <laughs> awesome but I so feel cool. like I love that but I feel like she posts stuff that you would post anyway like I feel she like, seems like a massive weirdo, which I love. Yeah, I mean, and that's also, I mean, that's why I wanted to make the podcast because I feel like I listened, like, especially because of, of the pandemic, I listened to much more podcasts than I ever have in my entire life. Um, I can't say I was that into them before the pandemic started, um, but I wanted to make the podcast because there's a lot of nostalgia podcasts, and I'm like, where's the nostalgia podcast for goths? Like. Whereas, like, because people will talk about a movie that came out in the in the 90s, which I, of course, I like all the same 90s movies that everyone liked. But there's, like, some specific ones where I'm like, no one's talking about the really subversive stuff that was just as influential as Clueless. Like, I love Clueless, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, The Craft is just as yeah. big, was, like, if not maybe. So iconic. Um, and, yeah, other stuff, like, music influences. And I also feel like... There's a tendency when with nostalgia podcasts to talk about stuff kind of with a more critical eye looking back. And I'm like, well, goth stuff should also have that benefit because goth stuff is notoriously scary, violent imagery and whatnot. And I feel like goths, I always kind of get sidelined to this thing like, oh, yeah, well, they're into weird stuff. So that's fine. Like they, they're used to it. Like that's what they're into. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, well, let's unpack that and let's talk about being goth growing up because, I mean, you could you could be goth when you're a teen. I feel like that's a common thing for someone to, like, see a picture of themselves, like, wearing, like, having dyed their hair black. And it's like, oh, yeah, my goth face. And I'm like, well, some of us continued on <laughs> or some of us <laughs> became goths later on in life. And they're kind of going back and, like, finding stuff that they missed out when it came on, like, when it first came out. Like, I didn't listen to Interpol when I was like early high school I missed that and now I'm like oh my god if I had this first Interpol album when it came out in 2001 and I was 14 like this would have just been the greatest yeah it's so weird because it does feel like people approach things like goth as a phase as a fashion statement as you know even there's gothic architecture it's always Mm. kind of pinpointed in an era as opposed to it being like a lifestyle or an actual part of someone's identity or lovely morbid way of thinking 
it's mm. very interesting how people kind of yeah have this weird thing like it seems like goth is perceived to be almost outdated which is why we're probably perceived as weirdos at work <laughs> i was gonna say most importantly we are former former goths kind of from throughout our childhood and high school lives but we are current goths who have jobs and we have to pay our rent and we have to exist in a corporate sphere which i feel like you know everyone would perceive goth as like you don't do that but it's like well no you have to pay rent so you know you have your work clothes and then you have your goth nighttime clothes (laughs) when you go out after work or the weekends um and stuff um but then you know I try to incorporate a little bit of gothness into what I wear to work it's like in Los Angeles maybe for me um it's not uh it's not perceived as that weird you can definitely be a weirdo in Los Angeles and no one really bats an eyelid um, I've worked with a lot of people who are goths as well. And we have that in common. Um, but also I work in the entertainment industry so that it's, you, you kind of expect it to meet eccentric people in this business. But um, what's it, what's your work in life for you, Carissa, being a goth? Well, being in Melbourne, we're kind of notorious for wearing a lot of black anyway. Exactly. It's, um, one of those things, people always make jokes about it. I think, yeah, I mean, my work has been, but I've been pretty lucky because I've been able to work from home with my job. In fact, they're starting to try and coax us all to come back out of our caves and come back to the office. And, you know, when I am there, I'm usually listening to true crime podcasts or heavy metal on my headphones while I'm working. And some, yeah, it's an interesting balance trying to find a way to let your, I don't know, goth flag fly while you're working in the corporate world because it does seem a little bit like you have to be very personable and you have to be very chipper and have this kind of thing which isn't always everyone's cup of tea like it's Mm. I mean I think I'm pretty friendly but I don't think I'm like that level friendly (laughs) it's oh I feel that so much because it's like I am perfectly happy to go along to get along politeness wise at work I'm not someone who's trying to be antagonistic or like to bring down the mood like I'm a team player as much as you want to call it um yeah. but I'm definitely not a fake like yeah. fake happy worker who's mm. like this is my fake nice personality and I'm manipulative and I um and I'm pretending I'm a real go-getter to c- climb a corporate ladder you know I feel like that's yeah but I feel like and I feel like that's definitely the goth part of me stopping me <laughs> from doing I think, yeah, like I feel that in the entertainment industry, especially because I work as an actor as well. And then, you you know, you get that kind of persona from people where it's an amplified version of themselves, like more of a mm. persona as opposed to who they really are. And it's, and I just am not any good at that. I'm, and so I totally relate to that because I do often wonder if maybe that's why I don't, know, I don't have that many friends or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, you just, <laughs> it's just being able to put that out there and then have always be on it just it's so exhausting I just couldn't do it oh man I wonder if like I mean let's take it back to the beginning for our childhood selves and our beginnings of being a goth when would you say that you first like identified as goth or what do you first remember kind of identifying as something that was goth I think I mean the first movie I could think of because I was looking at your um because you were posting the 30 days of films and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was trying to think of the first movie that I could remember, and I reckon it was Ladyhawk, you oh. know, with um, Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Ruth Kahawa. It 
But I think that for me, seeing him, you know, in all black with a black horse and she only came out at night and he turned into a wolf and I think that beautiful love story, I think that was the start of me being goth. So I think it was pretty much straight out the chamber, really. So (laughs) I've never... Like my mum... Oh, sorry. Oh, here you go. I was just going to say I've never seen it, but if it's an influential goth movie, I'm definitely putting it up the list as far as what I need to watch next. Uh, the the soundtrack to it is very 80s, <laughs> so that's probably the worst thing about it. But I um I love that movie so much. I was obsessed with it. I wanted to be Michelle Pfeiffer, and I wanted to have blue eyes and short hair, and to be you know only come out at night. I think that was where it kind of started for me. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I mean, I de- there's definitely no Lady Hawk watching when I was younger. I watched some other supernatural stuff like The Labyrinth, but what, as, when I was young. But as far as like really identifying that something was goth, I don't think I had much perception of that until high school. Um, and I mean, I would have seen goth characters in film, but for me, my really like pop culture goth stuff is probably more so like not exactly like Edward Scissorhands or like the real like gothic architecture like um like gargoyle-esque like Tim Burton kind of goth it was probably more like suburban goths and I mean there's a film I saw in high school called Life is a House and Hayden Christensen Uh, um is kind of a goth I mean I mean as far as like boys that I was into Hayden Christensen in that was it as far as oh, yeah. anyone else who existed um there's I mean I saw the craft at sleepovers and stuff as well but I still I think that was more like I want to be a witch like I don't think I really was like they're goths I, um but I always kind of remember these like subversive alternative teen characters in movies like even like Thora Birch's character in American Beauty where goth is kind of code for like depressed teen um, or like troubled teen, even like suicide or something like goth was always associated with something overly angsty um, and kind of, yeah, this real like this like troublesome, like disturbing behavior with Katie Holmes. Like I love that yeah. whole aesthetic, but it was still like goths are freaks. Like, and not to say yeah. that I would have cared about being perceived that way, but I mean, as far as like my, family like my mom is pretty like she's not exactly like evangelical christian but absolutely no um like black anything like i would have been allowed to wear she would have freaked out and thought i was a witch um she probably still would be like that satanic or something like i'm surprised i was allowed to read harry potter and like watch the harry potter movies to be honest (laughs) because my mom was, was super strict with all that like we i definitely wouldn't have been allowed to watch the craft probably more so because on the front cover they have short skirts and my mom would have been like satanic teen whores or something like (laughs) (laughs) satanic teen whores is a great name for a band (laughs) i mean that's definitely the vibe as far as what i wanted to dress like (laughs) yeah i think um i think mom was okay with the god stuff ish I, it was the witch stuff that she wasn't cool with because I was obsessed with witch things, um, you know, with the craft and with Buffy and, you know, just there was a, a witchcraft magazine that was in Australia at the time and my mum actually went to the local news agent and said, please do not sell this magazine to my daughter. Oh, so my I God. had people go buy it for me. <laughs> Moms were just such, like, the original security guards, like the original bouncers of our lives. Like my mum, my friends and I were all into the craft 
and they got me black nail polish for my birthday which my mom threw in the bin like Aww. it's just like respect my boundaries <laughs> like, yeah what the hell it's like god comes before my boundaries <laughs> i think like my mom i think she had a sense of i should be trying to make her wear more color so she'd half-heartedly just be like oh does it have to be black oh maybe get this and you know every now and then she'd try and make me wear color but i don't think she was overly concerned about that but yeah i think with the like tarot cards and spell books and that kind of stuff and being really obsessed with that i think she got a bit worried and she yeah i really didn't want me to be doing that kind of stuff i'm not entirely sure what she was scared of with that but yeah she was really strict about that stuff that was yeah pretty weird but yeah, well, I guess, you know, she was probably worried I was going to start sacrificing animals or something. <laughs> I mean, my mom probably would have noticed if I was doing more stuff like that. It was just so annoying because I was just like, I go to church with you. Like, what do you think I get up to? <laughs> <laughs> and like, plus, what's more goth than church? There's literally a guy up on a cross, you know, <laughs> dead, ripped as hell. I mean, there's there's so much stuff going on there. But, I mean, church isn't the best influence either. There was definitely a lot of awkward moving watching with my parents as far as, like, yeah, like, witch stuff, bad, historical violence, totally fine. Like, oh, just, yeah. like, I was allowed to watch, like, they let me watch Schindler's List with them. That's And that is, like, if I could really say one of the more traumatising films I saw as a kid, like, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, it definitely wasn't yeah. the craft. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, the craft was pretty chill compared to that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think Mum knew that I was really into horror movies and and that kind of stuff. So she, I think she thought that it was just me being a weirdo, and I think she knew that I was the weirdo out of my brother and I because he was more into. Well, I mean, he was really into horror movies and stuff too, but he was more of a mainstream kind of kid. Mm. Whereas, yeah, I was just the weirdo that wanted to wear black skirts and talk to people and creep them out. <laughs> Like, I used to make up stories when I was a kid to stop bullies from bullying me. Because, I mean, I used to get into lots of fights, like physical fights as a kid, with, you know, having to do with a lot of racism and that. But then, you know, I started getting in heaps of trouble with that. So I started making up weird stories saying that I was a witch and I was going to cast spells on them and curse them and all this kind of stuff in the hope that it would make them leave me alone. <laughs> I love that. That's so, like, Eleven from stranger things vibes oh yeah I'd love to but also it's so like do what you gotta do like i respect that yeah. honestly <laughs> you could have done worse yeah. you could like you could have actually physically hurt them but you didn't <laughs> yeah i think it was it was a good uh step back from actually getting into fights and breaking noses and things because i did that a couple of times yeah um what about high school? What was high school like for you? Well, some, so some goth stuff would kind of seep through. Cause like my, my mom was always a big movie buff. Like we we're always going to the movies, always going to the video store. And I remember we borrowed Sleepy Hollow and stuff. Like we would have watched like Edward Scissorhands as well, but it wasn't one that we watched all the time. But my mom would always like give something a go and then kind of like later on try to like retract it and be like, we shouldn't have watched that. I'm like, well, we did. And yeah. no going back. <laughs> too yeah. late um but as oh. far as like I kind of like I was a I can't lie I was a pretty basic teenager like I also though unlike most teenagers my age I'm about to turn 35 um and so I like I was uh in high school in like the mid 2000s and I but unlike a lot of teenagers I didn't have the internet at home until way late into my teen years and so I feel like I could have come across like way more subversive stuff that I just totally missed out on like unless a band was on you know the Australian radio stations like 
I definitely wasn't hearing about them. I like in like I was saying, I didn't hear Interpol, this really like influential kind of more like alternative um, bands. Like uh, who else was there? Like uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, the, like even like mm. The Cure and stuff. Like I remember, like I probably first really got into The Cure when just out of high school, doing like film studies. Um, uh, two Cure songs are on the Marie Antoinette soundtrack. So it's like thanks, yeah. Sophia Coppola. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. my intro, like. So, and that was kind of where the beginning of like re kind of like reconnecting with goth stuff or like really connecting with it started because I feel like I kind of, you know, I, I didn't get into like Smashing Pumpkins first time around, but like kind of, I'm definitely a late in life goth is what I'm saying. And I, I connect to it more as like this deep uh, romantic side of myself more than anything. Um, and so a lot of, a lot more like vampire movies and more than anything as far as like, I definitely I'm I'm not like a, a gory horror film person I don't listen to true crime or anything like that like was never too much of like a freak into like you know the Manson murders or something like that um but stuff like that I kind of you know you can't some stuff you can't avoid like I've definitely I definitely know much more about Charles Manson now than I did growing up so just I yeah. can't say it was like a, a big point of interest what about you? Uh, I think with music and that kind of stuff, because my mum was in bands when I was younger, I was a bit more exposed to different types of music, like Metallica oh. and Guns N' Roses, Queen. Well, yeah, my first album was Alice Cooper. I think I stole it from my dad, um, <laughs> or it was given to me, I can't remember. But it was, yeah, Welcome to My Nightmare from Alice Cooper, and I used to just listen to that nonstop. And it, looking back, it wasn't ideal, considering... There was a lot of stuff about necrophilia and <laughs> devil worship, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. But I could tell you, like, I could, as, as a little kid, I could sing the entire album word for word, and it's that's messed up. But that's so much fun. I feel like, but I mean, Alice Cooper. When I think of Alice Cooper, I really think of like a sweetie pie. Like, and I, I mean, when I think of Alice Cooper, I think of his cameo in the Wayne's World movie. So that's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> And any interviews with him, he sounds like a really sweet man. He's mm. just, um, yeah, he had a, I think he definitely had, I don't know about, I mean, I guess he's kind of a goth at heart, but yeah, Welcome to My Nightmare was definitely his most, most like, goth album. Mm. It was very cool. But yeah, in high school, because I ended up going from my super racist school to a new one, because I was initially at a country town, mm. like a really tiny country town area school that had, like, 300 kids all up, and they were, it was awful. And so I ended up getting booted out of there and going to another school where there were actually goth kids and little emos and yeah mm. like you I was a teenager in the early 2000s and it was it was cool I got to meet more personalities and more people who weren't white which I think is very important yes and and like you I didn't have the internet at home so I would often be on like goth forums and live journal and that when I was at school so oh. and printing out you know goth lyrics and stuff and taking nice. them home Oh, that's so cool. I literally, I remember going to the library sometime in my, my early teens. I always wanted to borrow the Hocus Pocus book, um, but it was always borrowed. Like I was always like on this never ending wait list that I never got to the front. Oh, no. So I, I'm, I'm, Did I you guess, ever get around to it? No. I mean, I think I can't remember if I've ever gone to find it. Like it was just, it was, I was like, I love, I still love the idea of spells and casting spells, but I've never really gone much further with it as far as like thinking I'm an actual witch or like a white witch even or something like that but definitely when I was in high school oh my god I would have loved I loved the idea of spell I'm definitely would have cast one if I could 
a friend of mine, because we were really close in high school. Oh God, oh my cat is playing with a thing. Ripley, what are you doing? Um, yeah, in high school, a friend of mine and I were both really into witchy things, and she was like a proper practicing witch. And, oh um, wow! Yeah, so that was really cool. What are you doing? Oh, she's got my cat has the zoomies. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but yeah, we um we were really into like Fiona Horn and reading up on spells and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, again, my mom totally forbade me from that. So What's Fiona was, Horn? Fiona Horn was um. She was like this. I think she appeared in stuff like Dolly Magazine and Girlfriend Magazine. Oh. She was also in a band. She's this white witch, and she wrote books and spell books, and you know did articles on being a witch. And she was really cool. She um, had tattoos and a labret piercing, so she was very cool and oh really very into her. And I think she's still around. I, I actually had a look on Instagram and saw that she's still doing stuff. So how did I she miss might be able to interview? How did I miss her and Dolly and Girlfriend? I feel like my like my memories of Dolly and Girlfriend are like all the quizzes of like who, what type of boyfriend are you going to have? And I was always like skateboarder, skateboarder, skateboarder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or like the Dolly Doctor stories. Oh my god, Dolly out, Doctor! Your body's normal. Oh Yikes. man, I learned more from Dolly than I did from anyone. Dolly Doctor. Oh my gosh, it's like. I'm surprised like occasionally you'll see an article about Dolly Doctor but I'm like no I want like a full expose of just like let's let's talk to Dolly Doctor again or even just like kind yeah. of someone to really go back and look at the common questions because like we'll, we'll answer so much stuff about our generation <laughs> as far as like oh, knowing who we are do you oh my I mean do you think all the questions were real they had to be legit questions oh some of them some of them seemed like, oh, wow, this is actually the first time I've considered that they might not be. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, have, have, I mean, for those listening, in case anyone's wondering how Chris and I know each other, we both were freelance writers in Melbourne at the same time. I just I just happened to have moved to L.A. in the last five years. But from like writing for publications and like I, I publications and journalism is a general interest of mine. So I read a lot of books about people, you know, who work for big um, publications back in the day and whatnot like the height of journalism I'm reading a book about the New Yorker at the moment and so I feel like I'm I've been introduced to this idea of like you know yeah manipulating um stuff for the reader and I'm like was I mean was Dolly Doctor immune probably not oh, I reckon the embarrassment stories I think were definitely staged oh there yeah I could tell that, yeah was, even as a teen no I could way. tell yeah <laughs> There was always yeah, yeah, there was always one of a girl going into the water and her bikini top flips up. It's like literally every yeah. issue that was one of the stories. Or there was another one where um, a person like she was in a bikini and she was wearing a tampon at the time, and then her dad noticed there was a string at the bottom of her bikini and he kept trying to tug on it or something. It's like <gasps> bullshit. No dad. Would no never dad. Do that. Yeah. No. Absolutely no dad's doing like he, that. Like he's like, oh no, you got a loose thread or something, and apparently it was her tampon, and he was yeah, and it's like no, that would never happen. Someone yeah. is literally like, okay, nothing's more embarrassing than the embarrassing than like something that happens to a girl in her bikini, or yeah. when she gets her period. Let's combine the two to make like the most yeah. mega embarrassing story ever. Less embarrassing enough. I don't need to make it up. Good damn. I was thinking though, with Dolly Doctor recently, randomly bringing it up, I was thinking about how I always remember a lot of questions about. Girl, with girls saying that their like genitals they felt were different or wrong 
or they thought that there was yeah like they or actually like kind of gender like questions like as well and it kind of just dawned on me that I was like oh they were like trans or like this was kind of like gender questioning kind of stuff that for people who you know you might think growing up in the 90s and 2000s in Australia specifically it's like oh who do I know who's trans and I'm like people who are writing into Dolly Doctor that was their safe space (laughs) absolutely yeah because I mean there were a lot of things that saying I think I might be you know I don't identify as this or or I do or my you know my bits don't necessarily align with who I am and all this kind of stuff and it's like yeah these people were were trans it's um yeah it's it's kind of interesting when you like look back at people you knew or the way people talked about certain things and the way certain topics were approached that you realize that you know trans stuff's been around forever it's people have the mistake of thinking it's oh no it's this new thing that people are doing it's like no this has been around a really long time as long as people have man I feel like this is so like something that now that I've been able to like acknowledge my gothness it's like I feel like it's the same thing as like acknowledging queerness or like my queerness Mm. and then also like just even like thinking deeper on things which it was so suppressed when I was growing up did you feel the same way big time like I tried coming out to my mum about being bisexual and she just it was weird it was almost just sort of like a era 404 moment like she just was sort of like do not compute kind of a thing like she just wasn't having it it was I mean then you know she as we go on and you know gender and sexuality is something that's a bit more openly discussed I think (laughs) I I think she's a bit more open to that now but but um yeah, I think that, yeah, at the time, like, queerness and being goth was definitely something that I found aligned really well with each other. And, you know, you had we found similar people who had this beautiful romantic idea of the world and that surpassed gender. It wasn't about that. It was about just the beauty and love. And I think that's really cool. Mm, ah. the, the more I think on it, the more I'm remembering kind of, like, alternative people that I came across, like, in real life when I was, like, in high school there was who I, and I, I think it's kind of linked to gothness as well, where it's like goth people kind of are privy to maybe like a darker side of society or like they're the ones who acknowledge that. And mm. I've the, and it's something I'm, I'm really grateful for in hindsight, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's like this, this kind of burden that like subversive people got like, <laughs> or like had like before, you know, society kind of caught up as far as like yeah. you know acknowledging things and talking about things more openly whereas like kind of goss were the original people to do that and be like I feel like just more accepting of people's weirdness and and if you're right. a bit different and when I there's a one apartment building that I live with my mother um and my younger sister when I was in high school and across from us in an apartment was this uh, woman who was definitely like she had like crystals and she was I, th- I think she would talk sometimes of being like a white witch and she had a goth boyfriend um who you know is, he's the most still to this day like the most goth person I've ever seen like you know creepers he was super tall awesome. like shaved head um and had like you know long black coat even in summertime <laughs> and stuff and they yeah. were just like so fine like being that way whereas like I feel like I was I was definitely I went to an all-girls catholic school in like the inner suburbs of Melbourne and I was definitely taught to you know think of people as freaks or not freaks even though I definitely identified as a freak but you know 
as Hispanic as I am, like I look white and there's no point pretending that I'm not a privileged person. Um, so it's like, I could be goth and it could be like a cool thing about me, or I could blend in pretty easily with like waspy girls as well. Oh my cat. Um, I don't think you look that white. Oh, sorry. I don't think you look that white to be honest. Um, but <laughs> I think, you. um, I mean, just saying as another person of color. Um, but yeah, I found that as well with, um, like goth people and particularly goth people of color. Because, uh, you know, the people that I hung out with were also freaks. Like, well, I, I kind of was a bit of a, a hybrid. I sort of hung out with the nerds because I was also a massive nerd. But then I also hung out with the dysfunctional kids who liked listening to Rob Zombie and wearing black lipstick, getting piercings and all that kind of stuff. But I think that, yeah, people who are marginalised in some way, whether it's because, you know, they're seen as different during high school when essentially you're marginalised just for having a weird haircut sometimes. Yeah. Or, you know, people of colour, I think there's that really amazing kind of, what's the word, um, intersection with acceptance because you sort of get this idea that you don't have to be like everybody else and you can just think how you want and be how you want. You don't have to wear hipster jeans and wear those belly chains and stuff that were big in the 2000s you can just be whoever you want mm. but one thing that I do remember and I'll be really careful not to mention names or give too much hints in case anyone from my high school is listening <laughs> but there were certainly goth people who I encountered that were misogynistic as hell mm. um there was like this weird gatekeepery thing of oh you shouldn't be wearing a Slayer t-shirt if you haven't listened to the band and all that kind of shit yeah. and and These are just indie heard... boys in disguise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, so annoying. But, yeah, like um, hearing stories about how some women were treated in sort of alternative, in the alternative kind of scene and there was a bit of an expectation there of certain stuff. And, and, and yeah, I think that that can be problematic in any group. I think, yeah, misogyny can go, get anywhere, unfortunately. But people, I think, who are really truly in, in tune with the culture are people who are a bit more open and a bit more accepting of others and don't have ulterior motives, essentially. Mm. No, that's very true. Yeah. I, and I'm thinking of um, a goth girl in my high school. There, I feel like there was, like, one in every year level. When when I was at high school, anyway, there's probably much more now. But yeah. in my year level, there was the one goth girl um, and she was cool enough. Um, I'll bring it up in, in another epi- episode um, of a fight I got into with her. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I'm looking um, forward to this. Um, but, and I remember in the year level above me, there was a goth girl who, like, we had a pretty strict uniform, but this yeah. goth girl always wore a spider clip in her hair, um, and she was into, like, odd stuff, I remember, and she was cool. Um Oh, I was gonna say, oh, but what I remember about the the goth girl in my year level was that she was always talking really openly about sexual stuff. And there did seem to be this leaning in from what she would talk about that it was kind of very BDSM focused and she was into not just sex and like but like kind of freaky sex or, or something like that, which is fine. Um and I always kind of I, I'm not sure if I I don't think I made much of an association, but I see how goth girls could be perceived that way and I see where the misogyny and taking advantage probably of goth girls would have come because of course it's like oh what are you like one of these like virginal like normie girls no it's like you are probably wanting to be much different 
to everyone else mm. and maybe more advanced sexually and know more about sex than other people. There was definitely, I feel like, the, the normal pressures of being in high school and being female of like, oh, I'm not like other girls. Like, I'm cooler. I'm different. I'm this, I'm that. Mm. I mean, I can just see how it would be amplified with a goth girl where it's like, mm. I'm darker and more mysterious and more, like, freaky and more weird than, like, everyone else. Yeah. It's, um, oh, people make assumptions about you too. Like, I remember working at a place and, you know, people were saying, oh, I remember these two guys were talking about what it would be like to sleep with all these different, you know, female identifying people who worked there. And they were saying, oh, yeah, we reckon you'd be a freak and all this kind of stuff. It's like, yuck, you guys are disgusting. Why are we even talking about that? And, yeah, just things like that definitely yeah it's interesting how these kind of weird stereotypes or expectations get put onto women regardless of what sort of I guess you know uh category they fit into whether it's like goth or if they're just poppy girls or just girls in general like there's always these weird sort of things that go around our sexuality and who we are Oh God, men and their hypotheticals I love that they think this scenario exists where it's like let's imagine that we're going to have sex with each and every woman that we work with. It's just like, oh, my yeah. God. I mean, it's so bizarre. Okay. It's like how when I love when um Richard Dawkins, the, I mean, wait, is it Richard Dawkins? The, um, is the, it the atheist the, guy? The atheist guy. Like when yeah. he goes on his little rants about or his little monologue, I guess <laughs> I should say, about, you know, end of the world. If, if my hand was above the red button, that could destroy the whole world. I'm like, it's never going to happen. But, okay, think of yourself as that powerful. Yeah. Well, why not? It's like, okay, <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. Yeah, for someone who doesn't believe in God, he's very grandiose, isn't he? <laughs> um, bringing it to, to today, do you feel any, like, I mean, you mentioned, like, gatekeeper kind of stuff. Like, do you feel any, like protectiveness over goth stuff like it's my thing it's my special thing I'm different to other people or like do you feel differently about it now than when you were younger Uh, I don't know I think it's really weird seeing 90s fashion come back uh (laughs) like people and then I don't know it's a bit kind of like oh you guys don't know how much I struggled trying to find black nail polish when I was a kid and and seeing these alternative models who clearly are making like heaps of money being on Instagram or whatever it is they're doing because they've got they've had um like cosmetic surgery and stuff done and thinking when I was in my 20s I looked terrible I had over fucked <laughs> eyebrows and really badly dyed hair uh I you know it was just I don't know it's just super weird I, I don't feel gatekeepery or weird about it it's nice seeing that it's more mainstream and people are a bit more accepting but at the same time it's like damn they we had to struggle so much to try and express ourselves and not just in the scope of being a goth but also for rights as people of color and queer people it just feels like we're heading into times where it's a lot easier for young people which I think is a good thing and it's um it's really nice it just makes me look back on those struggles and go we didn't have to struggle this stuff could have happened earlier people could have got more accepting of you know existing in the world with people that aren't cis white heterosexual people and I think that it's it's almost frustrating that it didn't happen sooner it just would have been super nice if it had because mm. yeah it's it, that's the only frustration I get is that it didn't happen sooner and that we we've, I'm grateful for the more diverse way of thinking now with regards to marginalized people being kind of normal but 
yeah, it just makes me annoyed that it didn't happen sooner. That's all that is. What about you? I'm just having flashbacks to putting white out on my fingernails <laughs> <laughs> in high school. And I think, and I would write stuff on the white out. And yeah. I think I would write stuff. And I also, I just remembered, because um, I was, wasn't allowed to buy kind of goth clothes or anything like that, but there was some kind of event at my high school that a friend who was very into like costumes and costume making and stuff we dressed up as kind of like goth punky kind of something I remember what it was what the theme was but um afterwards I would secretly wear the costume out again like when I would meet up with my friends and stuff I love that um and um yeah no you're so right like it was it was a mission to like find really like alternative stuff do you remember Cause like there's like Dangerfield. Dangerfield is still alive and kicking. But do you remember '90s Dangerfield? I was in a small town. We did not have Dangerfield. Oh my god! Okay, um, so yeah, we we had um yeah we had Kmart and Target. And that's about okay, it. so you were really deprived. We at least yeah. like in I at least like going to the city. Like I went often with my family. My dad worked in the city when I was little. And Dangerfield back in the day. And my older sister is also six years older than me. And there was this era that I, when as far as like 90s stuff coming back, I'm like, why isn't anyone bringing back this very specific Dangerfield look that was in the 90s? I always remember my older sister kind of dressing like, and it was that, I don't know if you got the bag free when you bought stuff or if it was, or it was just a tote bag that you got at Dangerfield, but it was this purple and black tie-dyed tote bag that said Dangerfield in this kind of like witchy kind of font. And I, when I say every girl had this tote bag, it might have just been my older sister and every girl at her high school, which is in the Mornington Peninsula. But it was like, oh, there was so much like specific like clothing things that I remember from when I was young that I was like, when I grow up, like I'm going to have, I want this exact thing. And it was probably, you know, very biased yeah. towards just what my older sister was wearing. But I, I don't uh, see yeah. like, you kind of see more like when there's 90s stuff coming back it's like you know stuff from movies like you know the clueless looks are, are very popular still and I'm like no nah, but there was still just like how teen girls really dressed in the 90s in Australia that I I don't see too much of that but that's probably because it wasn't that chic of a look yeah and you know and you can't make it out of fake pearls and sell it for $12 um yeah. <laughs> I think Kmart. the closest thing I found is either Rebels Market or Disturbia is the best place for finding stuff that's more accurate about hmm. what like goths and grunge people actually wear. Yeah. So to give you a bit of an idea about the demographic of my small town that I grew up in, everyone had a Supre bag. That was wow. like one of those little like pink Supre bags. Yeah. They just Everyone had one of those and they took them to school. They had their PE gear and then that kind of thing. And, you know, it was cool. It was like a hip little accessory that everybody had. <laughs> so and that you... was, yeah. And did you have the opposite? You had a little like anarchy symbol. <laughs> I, oh man, I I just had lots of hand me down stuff because we grew up really poor. So I just yeah, I didn't really have anything like that. I spent all my money on music, like just getting CDs and stuff. <laughs> oh nice. I yeah. had I had my older sister's clothes, so I feel like I kind of dressed like a nineties goth by default, or like a kind of more grungy well into like the age of 16 17 like just because <laughs> it was the clothes I always like had to shop at op shops like from a young yeah. age as well so it was just like there's no avoiding it 
I don't remember the well, like I'm... specific looks that I was even trying. It was more just like, yeah, this isn't the fugliest thing to yeah to wear. So cool. <laughs> well, we've um like we've forgot stuff becoming more mainstream now. It's one of the points we're wanting to sort of cover. Is do you think it's lost its mystery now? Because I mean, it has always been seen as oh, I had a goth phase or you know, mm. goth whatever. But yeah, like stuff like the Kourtney Kardashian wedding with everyone getting into their kind of goth gear. Mm. I have to say, I absolutely loved the outfit that. Oh Kim yeah, I definitely. I never thought I'd ever say that, but yeah. I had never had the Kardashians on my radar, and literally until Kourtney Kardashian started dating Travis Barker from Blink One Eighty Two, and I was like, oh, I'm paying attention. I feel like that mix of aesthetic is me in a nutshell. It's like kind of like grungy skater boy meets a kind of more like you know you know as far as I can try chica girl like well feminine or like femme um woman who wears lipstick and occasionally wears a heel and like you know like skincare um and stuff basically yeah and so when I was watching that like just like I started following her on Instagram and stuff and I was like yeah like this is if I you know if I had the means to and the money I probably would wear a lot of the same outfits would probably decorate my house in the same way and yeah if I had a wedding this is probably what it would look like <laughs> yeah it was really cool it was very um Guns and Roses oh, um September yeah. rain vibes it was oh, very cool that's exactly that's Oh, that's my dream aesthetic. Just if I could live, if all life looked like the November rain video clip, like that's what all I want in life. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, because I'm in the middle of planning a wedding. Um, Yeah, we're getting married next year. Ah! And um, yeah, um, it's crazy. But I've been wanting, I've been trying to kind of steer him. I was like, hey, look at what the wedding guests are wearing. Oh, maybe <laughs> we could ask for like a, I don't know, a dress code and, and, Tim took one look at it and went, it's a wedding and a goddamn cosplay. And I was like, dude, <laughs> how no, dare I'm you? Trying to, I'm trying to make it as goth as possible because my dress is black and, you know, it's going to be a very black wedding anyway, but I'm trying to get it as goth as I possibly can. I mean, not to sound like a subversive teen in an, in an early 2000s uh, family drama, but uh, weddings are cosplay. They're all fake. They're all phony. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, it's some silly thing that we're doing because it's expected of us, so we may as well make a friggin' costume out of it. Why not? Yeah, that's so true. That's but super. as far yeah. as, like, goth losing its mystery, I feel like there's definitely something lost as far as truly feeling like an outsider because so much mm. of the internet and social media now is about oversharing and definitely not hiding yourself. So there's there's not so much of, like, a... I mean, I personally, like, I'm like, yeah, there's no, like, I, I truly feel different. I don't relate to people. If anything, I relate too much to too many people, and it's a bit overwhelming in that way. It's kind of nice, though. We have that sort of, it's almost like goth has, it's sort of become more of a connecting thing. Like, we've got more ways to sort of connect to our fellow goths and mm. have a mystery together. It's um. But, yeah, I think we have lost our mystery a little bit as mm. people in general because we do live in a culture of oversharing. I mean, mm. if, like, there's people that I follow who share every single thing on their Twitter and, I, you know, I don't judge, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's your stuff. But I just couldn't, I couldn't do with the upkeep. That's a lot of effort. I think as far as, like, you know, there was always kind of this idea of a goth, like a mysterious goth person who lived in, like, a something akin to, like, a haunted house 
you know, like the only goth in the village kind of vibe. And I feel like yeah. that person doesn't really exist anymore. Like someone who's truly out of touch, kind of lives in a world of their own life. Like, there's definitely artists who still live that way. But as far as them being specifically goth and like, you know, a bit kooky and supernatural, I wonder if, I don't know if that's the association so much anymore because so much of Instagram is dressing up and taking pictures and kind of, I feel like the goth aesthetic is so much more common. It's definitely oh. over-sexualized like everything else on social media. Um, yeah. But it's still, it's still there. And I feel like, a lot of more goth stuff is really appreciated and not thought of as being freakish anymore like you know that every halloween um over here in in the states anyway it's definitely a big thing to watch a horror movie every night of the month of october like people really lean lean into halloween over here it's probably not as common in australia it's it's getting more common which makes me happy because i bloody love halloween so much yay well lots of goth stuff to continue talking about to wrap it up, Carissa, what's a not very goth thing that happened to you this week? Well, um, in Australia, it is winter at the moment, for those of you who aren't over this way. Um, so it's really cold. And so I've had to bust out my Snuggie or hoodie <laughs> or snood or whatever you call them. They're, they're like basically a, a blanket jumper. Oh, my and God. And it's bright pink and fluffy and covered in cats. My soon-to-be mother-in-law gave it to me and it's so warm and I love it it's ugly as hell but damn it's good it's so warm I... that's the not very goth thing that I did this week <laughs> I'm gonna contact Dita Von Teese. you're going to goth jail for that for this Maggie not allowed <laughs> if I get if I get to be in jail with Dita Von Teese, I think that's okay <laughs> I mean if the jail is at her house I mean I'll go with you like <laughs> yeah. um right. I what about you I did a very non-goth thing, which is that Instagram suggested a pasta recipe to me based on like a very <laughs> mainstream brunch place in New York. And I squealed with delight because the dish was um, breakfast carbonara. And I very excitedly went to the supermarket and I made my breakfast carbonara and I took pictures of it and I shared it. <laughs> to that my actually sister. sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's friggin' delicious. Um, I will put the recipe in the show notes. But yeah, I got really excited about a pasta recipe. That was not very goth of me. <laughs> so what are we going to be covering for our second episode? Um, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking all about the craft. Woohoo! And for homework for everybody listening, go watch The Craft. And no, we're not talking about the remake, though I'm sure it's nice. I do need to have a look. But the original. And also listen to How Soon Is Now by The Smiths because, goddamn, it's a good song. Sounds good. Until next time. <laughs>